Welcome to Roy Orbison Jr.'s Rock and Roll Circus Podcast. I'm Roy Orbison Jr., and you're listening to what I like to do on a Monday. This episode is authorized Roy Orbison. It is the book that we did. My brothers Alex and Wesley and I and a great author named Jeff Slate have written a book on my dad, Roy Orbison. I've been calling it the first book on Roy Orbison because it's the only one that's real, the only one that's true, and it's definitely the best one. We're really proud. This is my favorite rock bio ever. This and Elvis by the Presleys are my two favorites, and there's a lot of good bios. What I like about this book is that it has pictures. One of my goals for this book was that you could sit and listen to music and read it at the same time. I just wanted to be able to hit Roy Orbison, repeat, and then start flipping through the pages. That's the way I read most books. I listen to music or I uh, listen to the book on tape while I'm reading it. While I'm on that topic, there's also an audio book that corresponds with the book. Um, I'll get back to that a little bit later at the end and tell you about how we did that, but don't forget the audio book. It's available on iTunes or in or in CD form. I'm holding a copy of it right now. This is the first one. They sent two to the office, and uh, we have one at the office, and I got a copy of this one. It's about the size of a CD, and it has a beautiful picture of Roy Orbison on the front with a, the guitar neck. Roy Orbison, unabridged, read by Roy Orbison Jr., Wesley Orbison, and Alex Orbison. This includes uh, PDFs of photos, and uh, Alex read the introduction, and then I read the book on tape, which is a lot of the reason why I'm doing these podcasts now. I did so much book reading on this book that I started to like it, and so I'm just continuing on kind of on my own with this. I, I've been telling the press I had to hold my breath for three days to read this book. I would have to keep the lines really consistent, and so I would take a deep breath and then read all the way to the end of the sentence, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they would edit out the breaths in between. But um, it's really beautiful. My brother Alex read the introduction, and then I read the bulk of the material, and my brother Wesley who sounds most like my dad, and he has the Orbison accent, the Roy Orbison accent. He never really moved from Tennessee and Texas. Alex and I uh, went to California, so we got a little bit more California. I grew up in the back of a tour bus and in London, England, so I kind of have a little bit, and I spent decades in Sweden, so I have a little bit of a kind of European kind of marbled English accent. And Wesley was raised by my grandparents, our grandparents, Orby Lee and Nadine, who we call Mama and Papa. So he has a little bit more, he got, he has an accent that even people in Texas don't have today. He has kind of the Roy Orbison type accent. So when he reads those lines, he reads all the quotations of my dad. It, it makes the book more three-dimensional, much more interesting. I listen to a lot of books on tape, and I kind of don't like it when it's one person and they act all the voices, and they put on they they act, and so there's not so much acting in this. It's uh it's us three brothers reading it. 
we have the rights to the music, and so the company that we worked with, Hachette, they did a great job putting the music underneath the the text. They played it before the text or after the text, in between the text, or underneath while I'm talking. Those are really the only options you have, but they were really creative and clever in the way they did that. And with the music there, yes, it gives it breadth and, and dimension. It's like a three-dimensional audiobook. Uh, we even got the new album, Roy Orbison with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. The title of the album is A Love So Beautiful, and we were fortunate to get, be able to use that music on this project, so it all lined up really, really well. It's about seven hours long, so if you aren't getting enough with these podcasts and want to listen to me all the way to Florida or New York or Chicago or San Francisco, it's about perfect for a drive from San Francisco to L.A., so if you're out there driving around, uh, you can get this on CD as the box that I'm holding or on iTunes. I have it on my iPhone, so I'm taking it around everywhere I go. The book I also have on my iPhone, and I have a physical copy. So I've got four copies of this thing. Uh, I Let me read the back of the audiobook just to give you the uh, press announcement and the information off the back. It says, Roy Orbison is a rock and roll icon, almost without peer. He came of age as an artist on the venerable Sun Records label, toured with the Beatles, had massive hits in the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s. A footnote here in these, we also have a hit in 2017 with the song I Drove All Night, which has these great girls Ward Thomas singing on it with Roy as a duet. That's on the charts in Britain right now. Please check the blog that goes along with this Authorized Roy Orbison episode for a link to watch that video. He invented the black-clad, sunglasses-wearing image of the rock star and reinvented the art of songwriting many times over. He is a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame, and recipient of the Musicians Hall of Fame's inaugural Iconic Riff Award, and the winner of multiple Grammy Awards. He has known the world over for hits like Blue By You, You Got It, and Oh Pretty Woman, and was a member of the band that inspired the term supergroup, The Traveling Wilburys, with Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, and Tom Petty. Despite these and countless other accolades, the story of Roy Orbison's life is virtually unknown to the millions of his fans around the world. Now, for the first time ever, the Orbison estate, headed by Roy's sons, Roy Orbison Jr., Wesley, and Alex Orbison has set to set the record straight. The authorized Roy Orbison tells the epic tale of a West Texas boy drawn to the guitar at the age of six, whose monumental global career successes were matched at nearly every turn by extraordinary personal tragedies, including the loss of his first wife in a motorcycle accident and his two oldest sons in a fire. It's a story of the intense highs and severe lows that make up the mountain range of Roy Orbison's career, one that touched four decades and ended abruptly at perhaps its highest peak when he passed away at the age of 52 on December 4, 1988. Guaranteed to bring a smile to listeners' faces, some of Orbison's classics are woven throughout this audiobook. It then continues with a little bio material about Wesley and Alex and I. Wesley Orbison, Roy Orbison Jr., and Alex Orbison worked tirelessly to protect their father's legacy. Wesley the Eldest is a seasoned songwriter and guitar player. His song, The Only One, co-written with Craig Wiseman, 
appears on Roy Orbison's multi-platinum album Mystery Girl. Roy Orbison Jr. is a singer and guitar player who works out of his own professional recording studio, Pretty Woman's Studio. He enjoys spending time with his beautiful bride and their son, Roy Orbison III. Alex, a drummer by trade, began his career in music publishing at the age of 17. As co-president of Still Working Music, along with his brother Roy, Alex has overseen numerous top ten songs and number one hits. All three brothers reside with their families in Nashville. Jeff Slate. Jeff Slate is a songwriter and music journalist who regularly contributes to Esquire, Rolling Stone, and other publications. A lifelong fan of Roy Orbison, he recently contributed liner notes to Roy Orbison, The Ultimate Collection, and the 50th anniversary reissue of The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band reissue. He and his partner, Lynn, reside in New York City with their children. Follow Roy Orbison on Instagram, Official Roy Orbison, Twitter, Facebook, and RoyOrbison.com. This audiobook was published by Hachette and is available now everywhere. As they say, it's available everywhere. We hope to get this thing into bookstores in Australia by Christmas. I've done quite a few book signings for this already. We kicked it off on October 17, 2017 in Los Angeles at the Grammy Museum. It was a fun event. Alex Wesley and I did a 20-minute reading from the book, followed by a video presentation of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra album, and then we ended with a question and answer. The whole thing took about two hours. We signed books. We autographed the books at the end of the presentation and question and answer period, and we sold out at the Grammy Museum. Then we flew to Nashville, and we did a little gig at the Parnassus Bookstore, and we sold out there as well. We may even do a second one there, or at least go by to sign them soon. Uh, I went through the Nashville airport as I flew out, and they have a bookstore in the airport that had them, so I signed them in the Nashville bookstore. And then we flew to New York City, where we did an event at the Gibson Showcase. It was really nice. Jeff Slate, the co-author of the book, who I'll talk about more as as he pops up, was at the event. We had a great fun night, went out to dinner afterwards. But he, I've been so impressed with what he's done. We had a lot of research that went into this book, about 15 years plus, done by a friend of ours, Marcel Risco. He's a great guitarist. He's in a band called Truly Lover Trio. If you like rockabilly and haven't heard of the Truly Lover Trio and Marcel Risco, that's spelled R-E-I-S-K-O, then do yourself a favor. He's one of the last rock and rollers there is, and he does spot-on solos of Roy Orbison's Sun Records period. He's devoted 15 years plus of his life, I guess 18 years off and on, to collecting every receipt and diary, and he's done personal interviews and gotten firsthand accounts from, from people. And that's one of the things that makes this book so different is that it's factual. We had to have a firsthand account or a picture of Roy or a receipt or, uh, you know, ticket stubs to put it in the book. And so I want to thank Marcel for devoting so much of his time and being one of the biggest Roy Orbison fans I've ever met. So Alex and Wesley and I continued this project for our parents. My dad, Roy Orbison, when he was 52, we were living in Malibu doing a lot of work. And out of the blue, he said, I think I'll start writing a book. And he actually did start. He got about 10 pages in. And uh, unfortunately, he died in the middle of that project. So 
Then my mother picked up the baton, and she worked two or three times on getting books, but she never got the tone exactly right. So it's been a family affair from the beginning, but we have finished Roy's memoirs for him. And it was an honor, and we did laugh, and we did cry, and it's a great responsibility, and one we knew he had to do. I can't believe Roy has so many fans that have stuck by him 50 years, and there's never been a book on Roy Orbison. Shows the strength of those fans. Thank you very much. But if you are a fan, please get this book. It's what you've been waiting for. Jeff Slate did extensive interviews with me, Alex, and Wesley. He got a lot of information. We each wrote quite a bit. And then he consolidated and shaped and gave a great tone to this book. Without his help, it wouldn't be quite so palatable, so entertaining. And it's a really entertaining book. About half the people that have come up to me said, Roy, I opened it to check it out, and four hours later I was sitting there, closed the book, and I'd read the whole thing in one sitting. And I've done that myself. I think the first time I opened it, I opened it, and I read it from that page all the way through, went back and read the beginning part I missed, and didn't even realize I had read the whole book. And I'm going to read the whole thing again today. The book itself contains a lot of information that you haven't heard. We did hit some of the dirt on Roy, but in the case of Roy Orbison, the dirt is real dirt. My dad grew up really poor in West Texas, and they didn't have much money. And you get to see Roy grow up, and you get to read about Roy grow up. You get to grow up with him through four big pieces in his life, and it covers his early childhood and then his years with the Teen Kings and the transformation into the man in black that we know with sunglasses and the rock star and then the the latter career. We put some of the sad parts in there too about my dad's heart attacks or Elvis dying and uh, we didn't leave any stone unturned in, in giving you an, what we felt was an accurate portrait of my dad. There were a lot of pictures that I hadn't seen in a long time. For some reason, whenever I open the book, it just opens naturally to this page of my dad and Alex and Billy Idol. My mom's there, and I'm sticking my head up in the back, but it's really of Roy, Billy Idol, and Alex. Alex has the same kind of spiky hair, and that picture is about the age that I really remember Alex to this day. When I see him, I see him like that, with that spiky hairdo, and he was such a cute kid, and Billy Idol was so cool. I remember sitting near him in the black and white night, and uh, since he's not actually on stage filmed in the show, and he's only in there, and he's only in there briefly in the filming, I hadn't seen this picture, and I laugh every time I do see it. We talked about it for years, but I didn't see it all the time from then till now. There's pictures of my brothers, Roy Dwayne and Tony. You traverse through four or five geographical locations as well. It begins in Texas, where Roy was born, and his days in Wink as a child. Then it moves to Nashville, where he was at Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee, and then later lived, where he worked at RCA Studio B, lived next door to Johnny Cash. Then the third geographical area is England, where he lived sporadically when he was on tour, sometimes more than six months a year in England. And then finally to Los Angeles, where we lived in Malibu, spent time at the beach, and Roy did the Wilburys and the Black and White Night and the re-recordings album In Dreams that he did uh, of his old hits. On the front cover of the book, which I'm holding now, it says a quote by Katie Lang, Roy's impact has been indelible, like finding a secret key to unlocking truth and possibility. 
And the book is a great size. It's a coffee table book. I turn it over here. It says, filled with over 300 photographs, many never before seen. Roy's boys have left no stone unturned in order to illustrate the people, places, things, and events that forged their father, the man behind those famous sunglasses. It also has a quote here from Joe Walsh. I met Roy in 1980. He opened for us, the Eagles, in San Francisco. We should have opened for him. This is a great book by his sons, a must-read. Joe Walsh, guitarist and vocalist, the Eagles. The book has a good weight, and the quality of the paper is perfect. The, the, when I open a book, I always check to see the size of the text. I need to be able to read the book. And it's nicely spaced. It's not cluttered. It's not jammed, but it's still power-packed. Oh, there's so many beautiful pictures. I'm looking at a, a, a poster here that says, High School Gym, Thursday, November 8th. Carl Perkins, Warren Smith, Roy Orbison, and the Sensational Teen Kings. You find out things in this book. Uh, I like a lot of the left hooks, I call them, the, the, the things that people aren't expecting, that, uh, that uh, Roy you know, lived next door and was best friends with Johnny Cash, or that Roy was the first person to have a, a hit with Love Hurts, or that Roy invented sunglasses, whatever it is. It's these left hooks that make people go, ah, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and I never knew that. So it's full of these gotcha moments that I really like. On Buddy Holly's first album, there were two Roy Orbison tracks, You've Got Love and An Empty Cup. And Roy's influence in music goes through so many people, um, all the way up through to Bruce Springsteen and Jeff Lynne and T-Bone Burnett and a lot of great people. They're all accounted for in this book as well. The book took a lot of time. It's the cumulative effort of many, many people, starting with my dad. You have to have all these pictures and all these songs and all this music and all the stories. And you have to have Roy Orbison first. And then you've got a lot of work. I can't imagine all the photographers, all the engineers, all the musicians, all the publicists, all the fans that propelled this to the state that we now have it. I... It, it's not really up to me whether it's a great book. It's really up to the readers and to you. But for my part, I just couldn't be more proud of everyone involved. And I don't even know what words to use to tell you how proud I am, how, how much I just want to show this book to you. And uh, I wish I could make everyone read it. <laughs> uh, uh, for, for, for sheerly personal, selfish reasons. I just think the, I just think it's so good. It's the book we've been waiting for all these years, and and it's a big piece of what we're trying to do for my dad. We have so many projects now happening that people are asking, "Oh, was this a plan to do them all at once?" And the answer is yes and no. Yes, it all works together really well, and yes, we designed all the packages to complement one another. But they're all meant to be standalone projects. The audio book, the book, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra album, A Love So Beautiful, that's coming out November 3rd, 2017. There's a documentary that should be out in December of 2017, and it's a Roy Orbis documentary in conjunction with the BBC. And we've done it the same way that we've done the book and the other albums. We went through everything to show you home video footage, and it's, it's not just unreleased. 
they keep on point, pushing that point as kind of a sales point, unreleased, unreleased. Yes, there's lots of unpublished, unreleased things, but it's more than that. We've bared our soul. We've bared our Father's heart for you with a lot of stuff that he probably and I probably would, in a way, rather just keep personal. But we've decided it's now or never, and that we also still needed the definitive Roy Orbison documentary. Those three things are happening all right now while I'm doing quite a lot of press. I went to Austin for a book signing down there, and Roy received on October 25th, 2017, which was just last night or the night before. I can't tell days anymore, but it was recently, and, and Roy was inducted into the Austin City Limits Hall of Fame which is a great honor because Roy was from Texas. Anything from your hometown, any appreciation is a little uh, extra appreciated. So I, I miss my dad. I know he would have loved to have been there. But we were inducted with Roseanne Cash, which was fitting because her dad is Johnny Cash. And I got a new thing I'm saying now everywhere. Cash and Orbison forever. And I was standing next to Roseanne Cash, and she actually said, Cash and Orbison. And I went, and I held up the peace sign in the picture and said, forever. And she went, and she repeated it back. She went, yeah, Cash and Orbison forever. The, that was very appropriate, and we're very uh, happy for her. Congratulations, Roseanne Cash. If you haven't listened to her in a while, go back and check. Some of those songs are excellent. And uh, we were also inducted with the Neville Brothers, and that meant Dr. John was there. And we got some great pictures of my baby, Roy Orbison III, with Dr. John. And he was doing some voodoo stuff on my baby. It was really, uh, it was really intense. It was really, uh, he's an intense, powerful character. And I can't wait for my son to look back in years and see a picture of himself with Dr. John and just think, oh my gosh, I, I met everybody. But the Neville brothers were there too. I heard a great story from Lynn Neville, who looks so much like his dad that I, I, and he plays like him. While we were watching it, I thought that was Aaron Neville there, but it was his son, Lynn, who has been around a long time, but looks really young. We met him afterwards, and I, I heard a lot of great stories from him. I said, Lynn, you have to do a podcast for me. I need you to tell these stories. Back in the late 80s, when my dad was signed to Virgin and doing the Mystery Girl album, Keith Richards was on Virgin and did an album with the expensive winos called Talk is Cheap. I got a free copy. I got one of the first copies of that, and I've always felt they were my band because nobody else really seems to listen to them. But I, I got a copy from Jeff Aroff, the president of Warner Brothers, a long time ago. He handed me a Paula Abdul, that album, which they had done, and Keith Richards. I went back and listened to them both, and then I gave Alex the Paula Abdul album because I listened to Keith Richards. So Keith Richards had Steve Jordan, a great drummer in that band, Waddy Wattell, and I met later. I've got to do so many of these things. Later I'll have to do a Rolling Stone a podcast for sure, and I forgot about that one. I'm just remembering it now live while we're talking about it. I need to do, a, I've got enough Keith Richards stories and Mick Jagger stories and Rolling Stone stories to, uh, to do a podcast. So look out for that one in a couple of months, I think. We've got quite a few of these to do. So I met Wadi Wattel, the great guitarist, and I forgot that Lynn was playing piano on there. While I was watching the Neville Brothers, they did a reggae kind of inspired Louisiana funk song. And as I was listening to it, I thought it sounds like that Keith Richards, Expensive Wino. They did a song called Too Rude, a reggae song. And they did some kind of reggae feels on, on some things. But that specific song I heard, 
So I asked Lynn later, I said, I, I, he, he mentioned he was in the expensive winos. I nearly fell over. I suddenly became a, like a, a fan, started shaking his hand and smiling, going, Lynn, you were in that band? Ah. So I, I asked him to come down and tell his stories. Uh, he's, got so, he's got some good Orbison stories. and gr- He's got a f- photographic-type memory. And not everyone remembers. Not all the kids remember everything. But Alex and I, we both have a lot of information. And this guy, Lynn, he has a lot of information about all types of music. Uh, so he told me a quick story about him in a white limousine. And he, he, he was trying to get this girl, and he took her to the Roy Orbison concert. And uh, he, he got to meet Roy, and he, he had a great night. He got the girl. And that was one of the last shows that my dad performed. I think it was in Boston or Connecticut. And Lynn had driven from New York or wherever to go see this show. And he got goosebumps telling me about it. A couple of days later, Roy died. And he had that shock that you get when you've just seen someone really recent. And and then they're gone. But the Neville brothers were fantastic. We hung out with all those guys. And that was at the Austin City Limits Hall of Fame on October 25th, 2017. They're going to air that entire show. Chris Isaac was there. It was really, really fun. Chris Isaac was there. Brandy Carlisle was there. Raul Malo of the Mavericks. They all did Orbison songs and then did a, a big version of Pretty Woman at the end. The, the Texan fans were fantastic in the audience, and we got to see this show. We, we gave a little speech while we were there. That airs New Year's Eve. That was one of the funny things. Everyone w- would be talking, and then they'd say, Happy New Year. And I thought, is this some kind of surreal joke or some kind of Texan humor I'm not getting? And then at the end, they let us know that that airs on December 31st, uh, 2017. So you don't get to see that for a couple of months, but it'll be out there later and on YouTube to see. Uh, uh, I got nervous for the first time. I've been doing press for two weeks, and I never really get nervous. This time, I got out there, and the emotion hit me. I got nervous. I introduced my niece, Emily Nadine King Orbison, Wesley's daughter. I said, this is Wesley's granddaughter. And then I got nervous and said, and I wanted to congratulate Roseanne and the Neville brothers. And I said, I'd just like to thank the Neville brothers and God bless Johnny Cash. (laughs) And uh, that's actually what I said. I I don't know if they're going to edit that out or if that made it. But uh, as I came off, I thought, oh, and it was because of the emotion. Being in Texas, I looked out there and this was a different audience. They loved Roy Orbison. One woman had flown from Australia to be there for this event. And uh, there were people from Canada and lots of Texans. And Chris Isaac, we shared a lot of stories about Roy. And he, he's such a great guy. He always shows up for us when we need him. And he was there to host this night. And I remembered how much I love that man, too. Chris Isaac was great. We're going to have to do a Chris Isaac podcast. I need to get him on one of these shows. And uh, we'll have to start back in the 80s in San Francisco for that one. There's a lot of stories to tell. So let me get back to the book now. Uh, We continue on. I'm going on to a book tour in London, England, and we're going to do Britain a bit, some dates there. I'm going to come back and have to continue doing the book tour, so I hope to see you around the country, uh, around the world, but definitely around the United States. Uh, This book is for sale at my RoyOrbisonJr.com. The book is for sale there. And in the future, I'll be signing them there. So if you want an autographed copy uh, by me, you can get one at Roy Orbison Jr. Store.com and uh, the Roy Orbison Jr. Store. And the audio book is also there. And you can also find the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, which will be next week's podcast. 
And of course, you can get it on Amazon, iTunes, and RoyOrbison.com. Go check it out there. We've got a lot of great Roy Orbison merch, and uh, the book, the audio book, and and vinyl versions of some of Roy's albums, and lots of t-shirts and things. So if you haven't been there, Roy Orbison store. I've just updated my Wikipedia recently, and and Wikipedia is what it is. Good for some things, not for others, but it's a nice little primer to find out things about people. And so check that out. We've just updated that recently. And I can't wait. Thank you for listening to another one of these great podcasts. I'm having so much fun doing this for you. And we're out.